Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. It's hour two of this morning's, or best of mornings with Carmen on Friday, the 7th of July. I hope you've had a great holiday week. Um, All right, it's Friday, so here's the Friday Farm Report. Mowing, mowing, mowing. Mm -hmm. It is that time of year on the farm. I mean, yes, there are obviously things to tend and animals to care for and on and on and on. But really, it's a season of mowing. And I'll just confess to you, I love to mow. I don't mind telling you I love to mow. You can see that you have made a tangible difference. The end is in sight, um, and yet you can't do anything else while you're mowing. Uh, It's too loud to do anything else, and so you just mow. And I just attend to the Lord and um, and ask him to— yeah, ask him to just be with me in those times and show me things and speak to me and let me just be quiet while, um, you know, I'm literally making the rounds. I want to— I want to know what your heart is singing today. Do you have a heart song? Let your heart song sing today. One of the things that I do while I'm mowing is, I mean, I sing, but I don't actually like sing out loud. I like sing in my head, which is probably something God genuinely appreciates because I don't have the greatest of singing voices. Although when I'm singing congregationally, I sing really loud because I figure I'm going to get drowned out by the thousand other people that are singing right now. So um, I like to sing Amazing Grace. I like to sing, Jesus loves me, holy, holy, holy. Great is thy faithfulness, how great thou art. This is my Father's world, all things bright and beautiful. Fairest Lord Jesus, to God be the glory um, in Christ alone. I mean, those are just some of the songs that that just immediately come to mind. Those are some of my heart songs. What does your heart song sing to the Lord? Maybe it's an fairly old or forgotten hymn. Maybe it's something your grandmother hummed. I mean, that's certainly true for me. I I uh, I sing in the garden, um, and I sing, I mean, in the garden alone, when I walk in the garden alone, um, and I sing Old Rugged Cross because those are the hymns that my grandmother hummed all the time. Maybe it's a song that you sang to your children, like Jesus Loves Me. I mean, just think about the words to that. Like, And you could just spend a lot of time reveling in the theology of Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Like this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little one, to him belong. You may feel weak, but he is strong. Like could you turn the words of Jesus loves me into a prayer over yourself today or over another person? We're going to revisit some conversations that we have had um, in recent weeks. This is a best of mornings with Carmen LaBurge. So next up, revisiting our conversation with George Barna on helping millennials thrive. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. George Barna is back with us today. What a joy. 
Um, he's come with a book, Helping Millennials Thrive, Practical Wisdom for a Generation in Crisis. George, welcome back. Thanks, Carmen. Good to be here. All right. Normally, we talk with you about particular research and reports on research. This is a book, Helping Millennials Thrive. So um, tell us a little bit about this project. Remind us about the underlying research. You know, like what, what's the intent of all this? Well, you know, we started out doing this because when we look at what's happening in America today, of course, I'm a big worldview guy. We know that a person's worldview is developed by the age of 13. Who impacts them? Well, predominantly arts and entertainment media, but also parents have still a significant influence. Who are those parents? Well, it's primarily the millennial generation. So we wanted to take a look at that generation, understand what's going on with them so that we could understand what do we need to do to make sure that the worldview in America keeps getting better and better and doesn't continue to dissipate. And as we look at that, I mean, the importance of the group is undeniable. It's the single largest generation numerically in America's history. And it's also our primary parenting generation. So it's a, a critical group to take a look at. Uh, but as we did that, you know, I was entering the project thinking, yeah, let's let's look at parenting issues. But before we could even get to parenting issues, we found that the parents themselves have a lot of issues that they're wrestling with. And, you know, so those are the kinds of things that we're talking about in this book we know that you can only give what you have, can't give what you don't have. And so when we're talking about raising healthy, godly children in America, so much of it comes back to their parents. And if they're not godly and they're not spiritually healthy uh, or healthy otherwise even, then we're going to have big issues on our hand. And I think that's partly what we uncovered with this research. Okay, it always helps me to do the math and to remind myself who the millennials are, who we're talking about. And you are talking about people who are currently in the parenting part of their life or they or that's the zone they're in. So this is this crowd's like basically 27 to 42. Is that about right? Well, the way that we measure and if you talk to 10 sociologists, you'll get about 14 different definitions of millennials. <laughs> but uh, how we, old are they? Yeah, we, we look at them as the ones who are currently 21 to 39 years old, born 1984 okay. to 2002. Okay, so currently 21 to 39. All right, so when I think about this group of people, I would say we're talking about young adults. I recognize that there are people who consider themselves young adults, you know, that are younger than this. Um, but I think that 21 to 39 millennials, young adults, what do you, tell us a few things that you know about them. Having researched this crowd, what do you know about millennials? Well, th there are four things that I think they're really struggling with today. And for those of us who, who look out at the culture and say, I want to help, I want to make things better. I think Christ put me here to make a positive difference in the world and to give him the glory for that, bring other people to him in the process. All right. So there are four openings, if you will that I see with millennials coming out of the research. Number one is that uh, they're struggling with meaning and purpose. Three out of four of them say they have no sense of why they should bother getting out of bed in the morning. 
They don't have a sense of purpose. They don't feel that they have a calling. They don't feel like God has given them any kind of special or supernatural gifts that they can use to do, you know, really cool things in life. Secondly, it's a group that believes that relationships are really critical to having a meaningful and uh, important life. But it's also a group that says, but I don't have those kind of relationships. They're extremely desirable, but they're lacking in my life. I don't have deep, lasting, trust-based kinds of relationships. And then thirdly, we know that they're also very upfront about saying they have significant mental health issues. They don't always use that particular phrase, but they will admit that they often if not daily, multiple times daily, feel anxious or depressed or fearful or even suicidal. And of course, this is the generation that has the highest suicide rate of any in America's history. So, you know, they're they're wrestling with all that. And the final thing I'll say goes back to their spiritual life, where they have abandoned Christianity as their faith of choice and are essentially piecing together their own faith. But in the process of doing that, it's because their worldview rejects the Bible as the basis for their worldview. And so instead, what they've done is they've said, no, it's all up to me. There's no God really who's involved in my life. Even if even if you believe that there's a God who created me, and a huge proportion of them don't believe that. But even those who do, would say, but that God's not involved in my life. He's not involved in the world. He's distant. Uh, so, you know, it's really all up to me if he exists. And of course, a lot of them don't believe he exists. So they don't feel like they have any competition here for power and authority. They really do believe that the weight of the world rests on their shoulders. And so when you put together this kind of atheism and narcissism and isolationism and uh, mental turbulence and uh, confusion about life, wow, that's a hard life to live. Yeah, the consequences of having abandoned a faith that is that has an author and therefore an authority outside of myself, if I've abandoned that, then of course I'm going to struggle with a sense of meaning and purpose if I can't, you know, gen, gen one up for myself. Why would I have a sense of calling? I'd be the one calling myself. That seems crazy, which leads us to that seems crazy. Um, this, you know, these genuine, honest struggles of anxiety, depression, and then suicide, you know, suicidal tendencies and ideation. Um, and mix into all of that an inability and failure to form these long-term trusting relationships, if that's where you're putting, like human relationships were not designed to bear the weight that only a relationship with God can bear, but they don't have that. I just, it all seems of a piece to me. And so we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. George Barna. We're going to talk about helping millennials thrive. Now that we have gotten to know them and our, our concern is raised, Let's talk next about some practical wisdom for this generation in crisis. More up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of Second Timothy together. 
Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you? And that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation now with Dr. George Barna, we're talking about helping millennials thrive, practical wisdom for a generation in crisis. All right, George, now that we have a sense of understanding this deep and desperate need among this generation of young adults, 21 to 39, give us a little hope, like project some hope. Well, really what what we're faced with here is a crisis of discipleship. Mm. And so when you look at this particular generation, why do they feel alone? As long as there are those of us who are Christ followers in this culture, nobody should feel alone. I mean, it's our job to come up alongside them and and to get to know them, to befriend them, to love them, to help them, to encourage them, to support them. If we think of ourselves as believers, as primarily disciple makers, because that's our, our primary job on the face of the earth, then it's an issue of, okay, who can I get to know who needs to be discipled, who needs Jesus, who needs that that strength, that understanding, that love, all the things that Jesus brings into our life and gives us a sense of purpose for getting out of bed in the morning, gives us the strength to do the tough things and the courage to face the hardships and the tribulations that every day brings along. I mean, that's that's one of the numerous benefits of being a follower of Jesus. But other people don't have that. Most other people in America don't have that. And and the vast, vast majority of millennials don't have that. So I've got to understand that, okay, here's a group of people that's, you know, kind of floundering, if you will. And part of the reason is they don't have any strong, meaningful human connections. Can I be one of those? Not unless I try, not unless I really put myself out there to do this. So number one is, you know, developing the relationship. And that means being the kind of person that they can trust, kind of person they can rely on, being someone who's willing to invest time and energy and emotion into the life of this other people. One of the things that I've discovered, Carmen, about effective discipleship in America today is that it's a one-on-one process. It's not about taking them to events. It's not about getting them into a class. It's not about them being in a small group. It's about them being my friend and me being able to slowly, consistently, persuasively introduce them to Jesus. And so one of the biggest skills that I take into that I've discovered is being able to listen. Just let them talk. 
These are people who are in pain. These are people who are confused. They're struggling. They're trying to make sense of it all. They've beaten their head against the wall day after day after day. It's not working. And so I've got to listen. But then when it's time for me to respond, it's not time for me to respond and say, whoa, you're a bigger loser than I thought. It's time for me to say, wow, that is tough. You know, and then to just ask them some questions about why they believe what they believe, why they do what they do, how they came to some of these conclusions, what some of the outcomes of those ideas and behaviors have been, not in judgment, but again, so that I can continue to understand where they're coming from. And then I have the opportunity to start giving them some feedback. Again, not negative, but if I love them, I'm going to do something to try to help them. And the Bible has all the help any of us needs. And so it's up to me to know the stories and to know the principles so that I can give them some of these stories. Or maybe it's stories out of my own life of, wow, I get it. I went through that. Here's what I went through and here's what I faced. And and then at the end of that, here's what I found. And so you've got this Socratic dialogue that's taking place. And, and you know, I mean, it's not all going to happen in one sitting. A, a real relationship is you know, you're spending life with them. And so when you are in their presence, and even when you're walking away from them, they're going to be watching you because they want to see, well, that was really interesting. But does he do what he says? Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that we found that kids in America today are, are rejecting their parents because their parents say one thing and do another. And so kids are deciding, wow, my parents are just as confused as I am. They don't have the answer. I got to look elsewhere. We don't want to be that kind of person. We want to be someone who, when I say X, Y, Z, I live X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. As that biblical principle is, that's who I must become. I have to embody it. And, you know, when you have that kind of relationship, you start to give these people hope and comfort and security, and that's what they need. We're talking with Dr. George Barna. Um, we're talking about his book, Helping Millennials Thrive, Practical Wisdom for a Generation in Crisis. George, the, what you just described, that there must be this alignment or this integration of the mature disciple, their beliefs must line up with actions. And that sounds right. It also sounds right to me that mentoring is the way forward. There is this aching desire among these young adults to have real relationships with mature people. I'm also wondering if a vocational, like one of the things that you said, and I wrote this down, was like, go and seek them out. And so I'm wondering, you know, maybe people could look around at work, like maybe vocationally, because that may be like a natural connecting point. But then as soon as I say that, I realize a lot of people now work from home. So when you say go seek them out, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that getting over that initial step of actually finding and meeting a person in this age group that I could do life-on-life discipleship with, uh, that's a really huge first scary step. You know, Carmen, we have all different activities taking place in our life. So there's work. Sometimes you work with people face-to-face. Sometimes you don't. But if you don't, you still encounter people elsewhere. So, for instance, uh, with my grandkids, I will take them to their sports activities. Right now, it's baseball Mm. season. 
So we're taking them to their baseball games, their practices, uh, you know, different things that they're doing as a team. And when I'm there, I'm around the parents of the other players. And so after a practice, it's an easy thing because our kids have been together. We've been on the sidelines chatting about stuff. Steve's so thinks, hey, you guys want to go, uh, you know, over to Burger King, grab something to eat? And that gives me an opportunity to start building the relationship. You know, I mean, there, there are all these little things where we've just got to be tuned in to, whoa, here's an opportunity. I, I'm going to have to make it one. But we're in this physical space. We're sharing this experience and now I can take it to the next step if I have the eyes to see it. I only have the eyes to see it if I want to see it. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a part of this process is being awake enough to say, oh, you know what? I think here's a way that I could connect with that person outside of where we are right now. So good. It's so good. The book is so good. Um, it's not just George's voice. There's lots of other voices um, in here as well. Uh, that'll be a real treat when you when you get it and open it up, um, helping millennials thrive, practical wisdom for a generation in crisis. George Barna, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. So I was uh, driving around town recently and I saw a church sign um, advertising that they were going to have a prayer night and they were calling it Our Midsummer Night's Dream. And then it was there was just this reference, Acts 2.17. So, of course, the next time I had opportunity, I like look up Acts 2.17. I'm like, what is this church going to be doing on a prayer night with a Midsummer Night's Dream? Like, that seems odd. So I looked it up and it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So, might you dream a little dream this summer? Could you dream a big dream? Could you dream an impossible dream? Could you dream a God-sized dream this summer? If your church got together, what kind of midsummer night's dream might God send? That's a good question. Joel Penton is dreaming what might seem an impossible dream, opening the Bible with public school kids during the school day, This is one of my favorite things going on right now across America. I'd like to see it expand into every school in the country. So um, that's going to require a lot of Christians dreaming with LifeWise Academy. My conversation with Joel Penton up next. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Joel Penton is joining us now from LifeWise Academy. You can find what we're talking about at LifeWise.org. Joel, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen, for having me. All right. There is so much that we could um, say about you. Um, I'm just going to describe you um, as uh, a young man with a family who I know from having founded Stand for Truth, um, but many other people will know from your um, college athletic career um, as a Buckeye, and um, and others know today as the founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy. So again, you guys can check out Joel's full bio and get to know him um, more fully at LifeWise.org. What is LifeWise Academy and what's the backstory? 
Oh, thank you for that question. LifeWise Academy is what's known as a released time religious instruction program. Most people aren't aware that in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that public school students can be released from school during school hours to receive religious instruction provided the programs off school property, privately funded, and with parental permission. And so LifeWise is a Bible education program for public school students that we operate during school hours. Students are released to us. We teach them the Bible and we take them back to school. Yeah, it's really great. I, um, I've i watched the videos um, that are linked at lifewise.org. Um, you know, there's like a, a, a little mini bus that comes and it picks kids up and it takes them to an off-site location. And it looks like like super fast vacation Bible school in terms of the the video clips. It's not, you know, it's not just sitting in a chair studying the Bible, but it is in part sitting in a chair studying the Bible, but it's also acting out the stories of the Bible and obviously um, engaging in ways that um, are age appropriate. And so talk a little bit about that, like LifeWise Academy um, functions in what kinds of schools, in what kinds of communities, like give us a little window into it. Yes, absolutely. Well, LifeWise is for all public schools and for public school students, we tend to start at the elementary age and students tend to have an opportunity to go to LifeWise once per week. So in the same way that a student will have art class once a week or gym class once or twice a week, uh, with LifeWise, they can have a Bible class once a week. And so it tends to operate on a rotation um, in the same way that a school might have one art teacher or two art teachers that kind of rotates through classroom by classroom. We'll take a classroom or two of kids at a time. Uh, those kids that who have a parental permission slip, that is, and we pick them up, we teach them the Bible. And in some schools, we're seeing incredible participation rates and incredible impact. We have one school in Northwest Ohio that there's a thousand kids in the elementary school. Over 900 of them are in LifeWise Academy. And we pick up two wow. classrooms at a time, five, five times a day, five days a week and teach over 900 kids the Bible. Okay. That's amazing. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Again, um, LifeWise functions during school hours, um, during school hours. That's a, a phrase you're going to hear um, frequently here. As long as it is held off school properly, property, it's privately funded, and kids have parental permission, this is a release program that happens in schools across the country. And you might be saying to yourself, well, I want to know if it's happening in my school district. I want to know if it's happening at my school. And if it's not, I want to help make that happen. You can go to lifewise.org. Um, you go to find your school you pick your state, and then you start typing the name of your school district. A list will populate. Scroll down on there. You might have to use the little bar on the right to scroll all the way down to um, your particular school inside your school district that you're interested in. That's what I did this morning. Um, I found out there's not one operating at my local elementary school. So I'm trying to get 50 signatures, right? That's all it takes is um, you and 49 other people to say we're interested in having this in our school. Um, and you can get the process started. Talk with us a little bit about um, what you've seen happen in the life of a particular child or the life of a family through LifeWise Academy. Oh, Carmen, how much time do you have? Uh, I, 
I am. I have the privilege of being in a position that we get stories every single day of the impact um, because, you know, we're teaching kids the word of God and <laughs> the word of God is living, it's active, it changes lives. And so I think of the boy that there's actually a video about him on our website who uh, was unfamiliar with the word Bible. He'd never been to church, didn't know anything about the Bible. His, his mother got the flyer in the mail and she thought, oh, Bible education, character education, it couldn't hurt. And so she got him plugged in. He fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with the Bible, asked his teacher to invite his mother to church his LifeWise teacher. And she did. And what do you know, fast forward several months, the whole family's plugged into church. The little boy is in the class to be baptized. The mother is now in a weekly Bible study with the LifeWise teacher. And those are the types of stories that we now get to hear all the time about the grandma who's in church saying, hey, I'm here because of LifeWise, because my my kid uh, or my grandchild asked me why we weren't going to church. The story about the boy in inner city Columbus who said he loves uh, LifeWise because his parents don't fight anymore. Because mm. um, when he came home and said, why aren't we in church? They they got plugged in and it has transformed his family. And so it's really the ripple effects of the word of God in these kids' lives that we're just seeing now on a on a daily basis. Joel, so often I hear from, um, you know, I hear from listeners who, you know, they're committed Christians. They want to be um, influencing the lives of emerging generations. They want to be influencing the lives of young families, but they're not in proximity. They're not they're not in proximity to um, to kids who don't know Jesus and to families who are outside of the church. And and because the invitational model is the only one they've ever known, like, right, well, our, our church welcomes everyone. You know, it says it says so on the sign outside in front, you know. So, you know, people are, everybody's welcome to come to church, but that's not how it works today. You, um, you have to find a way into the spaces and places where these children and these families are already living. Um, and the public school is one of those um, locations. And so there's a genius to this um, in terms of the way you're doing it. And so I just want to really affirm that. What kind of opposition um, have has there been to LifeWise? There's been surprisingly little opposition to LifeWise. That was when we got into this, we had, um, you know, we thought, oh, this could work. This is, as you just said, this is a very practical strategy to engage with families uh, however, we were a little concerned there might be major opposition that, frankly, we haven't seen very much. There is a very small but vocal minority of people that, for whatever reason, they think the Bible is a bad thing and, and they think this is bad for families. But the vast majority of people uh, have a fairly positive view of the Bible, of Bible-based character education. Um, even if they don't take their family to church, they think it's overall a positive thing. And it's entirely voluntary. So it's hard for people to get very upset or very opposed because if a family wants to participate, they can participate. If they don't want to participate, they don't have to. And that's one of the beautiful things about it. There's this doctrine of the separation of church and state. And, uh, you know, any people can fall down in different places on, you know, what they think about that. But we are literally separating the children from the public school building to teach them the Bible. And it's totally optional. And so there's just not a lot to get upset about. Yeah, I love it. Um, if you have a concern for literacy in your uh, in your community, if you have a concern for 
um, the the engagement that young people in your community have with Christian adults, and you're just looking for a way to build a bridge. This is this is great for all of those things. Imagine um, having the opportunity to invite a child um, into a relationship with God because you're exposing them to the Bible. Um, and so um, where evangelism may not be the lead of this, introducing students to Scripture um, is, you know, is the lead here. Um, but literacy is a byproduct. Evangelism is a byproduct. Family discipleship is a byproduct. Learning the needs of the families in our communities and giving us the opportunity to engage missionally with them is a byproduct. I don't have enough nice things to say um, about LifeWise Academy. I want you to check it out lifewise.org. We're going to continue our conversation with Joel Penton here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions, God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. We're talking with Joel Penton. We're talking about LifeWise Academy. You can find Joel and LifeWise at LifeWise.org. Just to remind everybody, LifeWise is a Bible program that takes place on, uh, no, not on public school campuses, during school hours for public school students, but not on the public school campus. Um, The only thing that is required is parental permission and private funding. And so you can obviously see their opportunities for your engagement. Um, Joel, um, when did it start? How many schools is it currently in? What's the growth projection? How do people get involved? All those kinds of nuts and bolts. Yeah, thank you. Well, we started, the idea came in 2018. In fact, we were trying to answer a question posed to me by my hometown. My hometown started, a Van Wert, Ohio, started a release time program in 2012 and saw incredible impact. Within three years, 95% of the entire elementary school was enrolled. Uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio now, but they called me and they said, Joel, you're in ministry, you're run a, non- a nonprofit, help us figure out how there's this thing called release time that has is this amazing opportunity. We've got 95% of our kids in the program, uh, but n- no one's ever he- seemingly heard of it. Why, don't, why isn't there a program like this in every community coast to coast? Release t- time has been around for 70 years. It was answering that question that led us to uh, start LifeWise because we concluded that release time, taking kids out of school, teaching them the Bible, bringing them back, 
it's a simple concept, but the execution of it isn't simple, that there's a lot of barriers to entry. And so we set out to create a program that was entirely plug and play, that any community coast to coast would be able to implement and hit the ground running without having to reinvent the wheel. So in 2018, that idea went on to paper. In 2019, we launched our first two pilot programs uh, we thought, let's try to serve 25 schools by 2025. And in 2021, we were serving 36 schools. And we realized, wow, we're onto something here. Uh, today, we're serving 133 schools across four states. And we were confirmed with written approval in 288 schools across 10 states for next school year. Oh, so that is so great. That is so great. Um, all right. So um, that, this is exciting. Um, I'm I'm obviously energized and thrilled um, about it. Talk with us um, a little bit about let me, what are the other kinds of release time programs? I mean, in, if in one school or one school district, 95 percent of kids are engaged in some kind of release time program, that means that literally the overwhelming majority of kids are leaving campus at some point on some day of the week to do something other than you know, what the school district is providing. What what other kinds of release time programs are there? You know, that's a good question. Well, there are a number of uh, religious release time programs. This practice has been around for, as I said, 70 years. Um, however, it just hasn't been widely practiced. It's practiced here and there in different regions. Every now and then I bump into somebody who says, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I did, I did that when I was um, in school. Um, it's just not widely known. But it, it is unique in that... Um, Release time, the Supreme Court ruling was specifically about religious education. And now 26 states have laws on the books about release time, religious education. And so the legislation is there. The precedent is there. It's just a matter of us taking advantage of that opportunity. And just quickly, you you had asked me to to tell people how to get involved, and then I failed to do so after I, I told you how many schools we're serving. Um, as you mentioned, lifewise.org is where you can get all the resources. Again, we exist to equip communities. It isn't as though we're going to send somebody from Columbus, Ohio to start a LifeWise in your community. We provide tools and resources for any community coast to coast to implement one of these programs. And as you said, it starts by going to LifeWise.org, finding your school and beginning what is a 10-step launch process to get a program started. And it starts with collecting 50 signatures. That kicks off the launch process. That communicates to us and communicates to your school. There's a community here that wants to implement that. And then the process kind of takes care of itself. From those 50 people, we find a steering committee. That steering committee develops a plan with our staff. Uh, The plan, uh, or I'm sorry, our staff and the committee speak to the school and the the process goes on from there. So if you're just listening and you're thinking, oh boy, this sounds like a lot. I can't lead something like this. That's okay. Go to the website, find your school, and at least add your name to the list and send that link, your school district uh, web uh, page on our website out to others to get those 50 signatures. It's really, um, it's, it's, it's just extraordinary. And so I just want to celebrate it. I know maybe I sound like I'm speechless, but that's because um, it's just rare to have um, somebody doing something so positive that's uh, kind of catching on like wildfire and um, where there are already so many positive stories to tell. So tell us another story because stories are sticky. 
Um, and so, you know, again, um, what difference have have you seen it already make in the life of a child and then that child's family, the school, the community? Um, tell us a story. Yeah, well, I tell you the stories, for whatever reason, the stories that really get me um, are those at the very front end of impact. Mm. Um, of When it confirms that we are reaching the kids we know aren't being reached. Because I'm a father, I have five children of my own, and I get to share the gospel with them um, every day. But I know there's a lot of kids that aren't familiar. And so when I heard the story of the girl that came into our program in a large suburb um, and they put a Bible in her hand and they showed her how to find John three sixteen, and her, and her response was the pages are so thin. They're like tissue paper um, because she'd never held a Bible in her hands. Mm. And she was amazed. And it just spoke to me. What's that like? You know, because I, I don't remember not knowing what a Bible was like. Um, and here we are, we get to not only put a Bible in our hands and now we get to teach her about Jesus. It, 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 I think of the boy in inner city, in the inner city who he really wanted to go to LifeWise, uh, but he didn't think he would be allowed because his family's Muslim. And so he forged the permission slip, but the school, it was obvious to the school because he's only in third grade. <laughs> so he, he didn't do a good job. And so they said, you can't go. Uh, but the, so he went to his parents and he asked them and he got their permission. And so he went to class and we had a group visiting that class uh, the first day and we got to hear his questions and they, he, he was nonstop questions. So wait, you're telling me Jesus will forgive us for what we've done wrong? What, what about, what if we do something wrong in the future? And so it's those stories of just realizing that these, we often take scripture for granted and we take the gospel for granted but there's most people now, they don't know it. They, they haven't heard it. Our, our statistic, favorite, favorite statistic is that uh, while only 20% of kids, actually less than 20% of kids are in a church on Sunday mornings, 90% of them are, are in public school. And so if mm-hmm. we want to get the gospel to them, we need to go to them. And so we're trying to create the most practical and straightforward way to do that. I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait to um to get updates over time um and I can't wait for 49 of my neighbors to join me right where I am. Um so uh would love to see this in the public school where where I live. Um that statistic right there, 20% of kids in America um are in church on a given Sunday in a month. It's not that they're there on any sort of regular basis. 90% of kids in America are in public schools. So LifeWise Academy um, is a way to um, leverage the good decision that's already made by the U.S. Supreme Court um, for these release time religious education programs during school hours. The forthcoming book is During School Hours, but you can check out LifeWise Academy and get involved right now, lifewise.org. Joel, um, I hope you'll come back with an update from those 288 programs across 10 states in the coming school year. I would absolutely love that. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share about what the Lord is doing. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Joel Penton. You can find him lifewise.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
When I think about um, kids having access to the Bible and real Bible education during the school day, I mean, it thrills my heart, and I would like to see more of that. It also reminds me that it is our responsibility as Christian adults to pass the faith that we have received on generation to generation. And so sometimes um, we just need a little encouragement and a little equipping to do that. So remember God's faithfulness. Like you can just remember with the next generation God's faithfulness in the past. You can tell the stories of old. Tell the stories you know about God. Hey, have you heard the one about? And then get personal. Your God story, your glory story, your redemption story, your story of answered prayers, the test that became a testimony, no one can deny that. And so get personal. Tell um, your kids and your grandkids and the generation that follows your story. Um, Let God's word guide you, like learn to love to tell the story of redemption through God's word. Make really good choices because you're living out your life and values in front of others. You are actually the testimony. You are the curriculum. Um, You may well be the only Bible that your children or other children are going to be exposed to today. And so it does matter how we walk in the world that God so loves. Let's do so in ways that honor Jesus. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation today. Let's plan to be right here back together on Monday. Have a great weekend and God bless. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.